2 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 13, those are verses for the day. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, and he cannot deny himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Heather. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more difficult I find uh, remembering things like the stuff I'm supposed to do, the appointments I have. Uh, it, it's just hard. Um, you know, sometimes I, I, I forget. Uh, probably the one that drives me crazy is I walk into a room. I don't know if you've experienced this, and you can't remember why you're in the room. Why did I come in here? You know, uh, another thing, every year we go to our annual physical, and, and the doctor asks us just to see how mentally we are to name three things like table, pencil, uh, uh, book, you know, and, and uh, then he talks for a while and then he asks you to repeat those. So I've learned over the years now that I go with Jolene and I learn the three words first so I can memorize them while, while <laughs> she's struggling through it. So it's it just this, this crazy deal of trying to remember the stuff going on in, in our lives and uh, it's not just a function of age. I mean, I think busyness and just the, the challenges that we face, so many distractions really impacts this whole idea of remembering well. Over 30 years ago, I had two offices, and uh, I got to the second office one morning. Uh, actually, it was lunch, and, and I discovered that there was a man there waiting for an appointment that I made with him four hours earlier. He was still waiting. How, 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 what do you say to somebody that's waited for you for four hours? I mean, it was horrible. Uh, have you struggled with this kind of stuff? Uh, maybe you forget where you put your cell phone. You know, in the good old days, they were either hooked to the wall or they had a, a line that went to the wall so you could find them. You could follow the cord unless it was really long. You forget appointments. Do you forget... Other things, you know, like your kids' names. I've called our children by the dog's name. Anybody done, done that? Duh. Uh, I forgot things like our anniversary, my wife's birthday, Dan's birthday, the, you know, the big events in, in life. So uh, the reality is we uh, struggle with this whole concept of remembering things and staying on task. And uh, it, again, it isn't just because we're growing older, it's just because we're busy sometimes and lose sight to, or forget or get distracted. Today we come to a passage where this is a key central truth that Paul wants to impart to Timothy and to us. And, and the passage begins with this, remember, th- this word, remember Jesus. And so let's uh, join me there in, in verse uh, 8 of chapter 2. He says, uh, <clears throat> remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. You know, remember that in the flow of the, of the context of this book, uh, we've just, as Dan covered last week, 
uh, saw the admonitions that came to Timothy to be a good soldier, to be uh, a good skilled athlete, to be a good farmer. And, and, and the idea is to be faithful, to be consistent, to, to, to persevere in this journey that we're on uh, for the sake, for the glory of Christ and for the advancement of the gospel. And, and so what we come to today, I believe, is the heart and core of why we can be good soldiers, how we can continue in this journey uh, of being faithful and consistent, fruitful uh, in, the, in the kingdom for his glory and for his sake. And it starts with the word remember. Remember Jesus, and, and the word here is in the present tense. It means continue this nonstop, and it means to uh, do this in the way of an admonition, a command. Remember Jesus. Remember him, Timothy. And so I take from that, Timothy struggled as we do with this whole idea of remembering the things that are most important in life. And, you know, anniversaries and birthdays and names are not unimportant. They're very important. But by, uh, on the grand scale of things, remembering Jesus may be the most significant, important thing that we could ever endeavor to do spiritually. You know, what, what, what kind of interferes with that? I, I was trying to think through what takes my mind away from Jesus. And it's the, the, the normal over everyday things of life, like fear, like busyness, like uh, guilt. Uh, actually, just about anything in life can take my mind away from Jesus. I, I looked up on the internet how many thoughts we have a day. Uh, I'm going to put it on screen in a minute. Between 50 and 70,000 thoughts a day. That breaks down to 35 to 48 thoughts a minute. That's a lot of distraction. It's a lot of stuff happening up here that sometimes we don't even control. It just pops into our head. Uh, and, and some sight that we have, some memory we have, uh, something someone says. Uh, so we think about a lot of things. And the goal, the challenge, the spiritual discipline, I believe Paul would encourage us, has admonished us to practice, put into practice more and more, is to remember Jesus. To remember Jesus. He is the central figure in time and history. He is, he is the heart and the core of the gospel. Remember Jesus. And Paul goes on to, to just relate two things about him to us today. Uh, <clears throat> and, and they are the truths of Jesus in regard to this, uh, uh, his person. He was uh, of God. He was, uh, the scripture says, uh, risen from the dead. He was an offspring of David. Huge things to think about. Uh, in, in light of the life we live. Why is Jesus so important? I, I, I spent some time pondering that. When my mind uh, drifts away from Jesus and I need to come back to the gospel message, what am I, where am I going with my head? And a lot of times it's stuff like my own identity. I, I don't know for the young people here, if, if you're under a lot of peer pressure, a lot of people want you to be something you're not, or we even struggle with that uh, some as adults. But the idea of, of struggling with our sense of worth or our identity, if we come to Jesus, he tells us what? He loves us. He's died for us. He's going to come take us to be with him someday. Uh, those are truths that can change how we even think about ourselves. I have great words in the sight and in the heart of God. You know, maybe I'm overwhelmed with life. I know some of you face work that's just really demanding and, and you, you, you just struggle to keep up with all the things that are your, your, your tasked to do. Remember, Jesus said this to us. Number one, he's in control. We don't have to be. But come to me, he said in Matthew 8, uh, 11, 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, if there's anything I need, it's to rest in Christ, to trust in Him, to, to find my strength and, and sufficiency in Him. There's times that I'm faithful that that draws me away from Him. 
to be, to be fearful of life, of, of losing what I have, all of those struggles that we have. Jesus said what? Don't fear. I'm with you. <clears throat> I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Uh, we may be struggling with a sense of purpose in life. Why are we here? What, do, what are we here to do? Oh, Jesus has an answer for that. Go make disciples. Advance the kingdom. Proclaim the gospel. You want purpose and meaning for your life. He lays that out for us in many places. The, the point of all this is just to remind us that no matter where we're at in life, struggling in life, Jesus has experienced it all. Uh, he came in the flesh. He came as the Son of God, and, and He experienced the struggles, the fears, the hardship that we face, yet without sinning. So He knows what we're going through. We can trust Him. And when we turn to Him in these times, we can find the strength to persevere, the strength to be bold in proclaiming Him, the strength to live the fullness of the life He has for us. And, and, and that's, what he, that's what Paul wanted for Timothy. Remember Jesus. He's enough. The gospel can complete your life and give you uh, the blessing and, and the joy for which God has drawn you to himself for. The message really focuses around these two truths. He talks about his gospel. One relates to the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. The second is that he's fully human. The why, the, why these are so important, and they were both denied in Paul's day by the people that he uh, ministered to, he preached to, the, the, the same as they are today. But let's, let's just think about that. Why is knowing that Jesus uh, was risen from the dead, why knowing that he was human, why is that important? Because the whole gospel hinges on those two truths. If Jesus didn't become man, Jesus could not have faced temptation as we do without sinning. He could not have then been the perfect sacrifice. I could not be the sacrifice for your sin. I could be the sacrifice for my sin. I can go die for all the bad stuff I've done. That would be uh, something. I, I don't want to do that, but I could. Jesus had to be the sinless, perfect sacrifice of God. He was that. And he had to endure temptation. He had to face fear. He had to, to undergo suffering and hardship and difficulty, yet without sin. And he did that in his flesh because he was empowered by that through the spirit within him and, and the fact that he's divine. So he came and lived the life just like we live it without sinning. And then, by the will and purpose of God, he went to the cross and he died to bear our sin. And then he rose from the dead. The second great truth, the gospel uh, uh, truth of him living today. He's risen from the dead. He was born a man. Uh, he was risen from the grave. These are all key to the gospel and the sacrifice that he paid on our behalf so that we could have a relationship with him. But remember this, every day Jesus lived, every step he took, every encounter he had, every difficulty he faced, he faced it with two things. Fully human, fully God. Perfect humanity, perfect deity. He never faltered, he never failed. And, and he shows us the way we can live. We're going to stumble, we're going to fall, we're going to fail. But Jesus shows us the way. He's our hope. So this is why this message is so, so central and, and, and why Paul wanted Timothy to remember. Remember Jesus. Remember that he was raised from the dead. Remember that he was born of man. So we need to keep those truths in mind and, and understand and know today that, that Jesus, after he rose, he walked on this planet for nearly 50 days. He was here. He ministered to his disciples. He... Uh, <clears throat> shared with them. He, he appeared to them in powerful ways. He gave them a, a message to take out and, and empowered them through the Great Commission to go and proclaim him to the world. That's what he did while he was here. 
All of this uh, reminds us of this central truth. We serve a living Lord, not a dead Jesus, a living Lord. He is alive today. He is reigning today. He is on the throne uh, of heaven today alongside his Father. I read this in a commentary. I think it's powerful that the commentator said, why don't we do this? Cry out, declare, remember Jesus. Just like people use the phrase, remember Pearl Harbor, remember the Alamo. If we're soldiers of Christ, let's, let's make that our battle cry. We are in a war. I was talking to a guy this week and <clears throat> the, uh, the latest thinking uh, about people who think about this culture is we're no longer, you know, we were a modern culture, then we're postmodern. We are ebbing further and further into becoming a pagan culture in this country. Look around you. Listen to the news. Uh, the things, the values, the ideals that are being lifted up and elevated. And uh, pagans don't like believers. They don't like Christians. They don't like the message of Christ. They don't like Christ. And so we need to be strong in this. We need to utter the battle cry, remember Jesus. So as we go forward, keep that truth in mind. Uh, it is so powerful and so important that we do that. It is the way that we know through him, his life, his example, that suffering leads to glory. Seeming defeat leads to victory. Those are the truths of Jesus. This enabled Paul to go on and suffer for his faith. He, he writes in the next verse, verse 9, For which I am suffering, bound in chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Such an, such an incredibly uh, powerful verse. He was, he was chained. As a criminal at this point, his proclamation of the gospel led to suffering and persecution and imprisonment. He was chained. Every, every step he took, every word he wrote, if he was writing at this time, everything he did, his life was surrounded by the clatter of chains and the weight of dragging them wherever he went. That's what he faced. He was being treated like a criminal. Understand the truth about Jesus was facing opposition in his day. It faces it in ours you know, literally, when Jesus or, or Paul proclaimed Jesus was God, that was an affront to Jews. They literally uh, crucified Christ because he, they believed him or accused him of blasphemy. And, and Jews uh, hated that, but many Jews believed. Some came to faith during these days. The Romans hated that too. They, they worshipped the, you know, the emperors as God. But many Romans, even some in Caesar's household, came to faith, we're told. The Greeks hated the message that Jesus was human because they thought of deity as so separate that it could never be tainted by humanity. And so to think of a God-man for a Greek was just totally unacceptable. They hated that, but yet many Greeks came to faith. We read this in 1 Corinthians one twenty-four, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. <clears throat> So in spite of this, and and the thing I I want us to take home today, in spite of the opposition, in spite of the persecution, people believed the gospel. Even those who who were raised in traditions and had values different than the gospel. Jews believed, Greeks believed, Romans believed, even people who hated the morality and the righteousness uh, in that ancient world. It It was a wicked world like ours is in many ways. They hated the morality and the purity of the gospel and of Jesus, like people do today. So (coughs) 
Those are things that we need to bear in mind. The gospel is uh, just with us today. Nothing's new under the sun. Uh, in every way, we have its truth. And what I love most about this passage is Paul goes on to say this. He said, but the word of God is not bound. It's not in chains. He was in chains. But what Paul realized, what Paul believed with all of his heart was that the word of God is powerful. It's going out. You know, as, as he discipled Timothy and as Timothy discipled others, the word of God was spreading. And in Paul's heart, my nothing could stop that. We are here today as a witness to the fact of the power of the gospel. It has endured centuries, generation after generation, and it is still powerful. And, and the encouragement for, for me today is to understand and know the power of the gospel. It cannot be changed. You might share with somebody tomorrow and die, but that gospel witness can go on. And Paul believed that. He wasn't sitting in this prison cell moaning his, his, <coughs> excuse me, his captivity, uh, uh, feeling ineffectual and valueless. He was proclaiming and declaring the boldness of the word of God, the gospel going forth. It cannot be bound. Though he was bound, though they take his life, the gospel will still go forward. And I, I want us to leave today knowing this. There is no force or power in this world more powerful than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? If we really believe that, we need to live that. We need to, to begin to, to, to live in the kind of boldness that Paul wanted Timothy to live in and others that Timothy influenced and, and live believing the truth of the gospel and the power of the gospel. Paul wrote it this way. He said uh, in, in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The righteous shall live by faith. He said the power of the gospel. Understand this is the most significant powerful force in the universe because it's backed by the living God who made the universe and his son. So when we go out, understand you're equipped with a message that cannot be defeated, cannot be overcome, cannot be put aside. It will accomplish its purpose. And we're proof of that today. This is the word of God. Believe it. Be equipped with it. Go forth with it, boldly proclaiming it. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter where you're at, believe in the power of the word of God. It cannot be chained. It cannot, cannot be bound. Paul was imprisoned, but yet he knew he had confidence. He trusted in the fact that the word of God was spreading and empowering others to go tell about Jesus. The next verse in verse 10 is kind of the center in my heart, in my mind of this passage. He says, therefore, I endure everything. Listen to these words. I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We know Paul suffered a great deal in his life, and I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I mean, I feel as guilty. I haven't suffered for my faith like Paul did in, in any stretch of the imagination. I, I don't know many that have. But he was, what I want to do is move the ball a little down, further down the field for all of us. He he saw the gospel in such a crystal clear way that he was willing to endure everything for the sake of people who needed Jesus. 
anything, everything. You go back and read the book of Acts or, or you read in uh, uh, Corinthians about his sufferings, his beatings, his shipwrecks, his, his life of, of being stoned nearly to death. He endured it all for the sake of people coming to Christ. And the, the point I want you to leave with today is, is not the suffering, but what he focused on. You know, suffering, I'm not advocating we go find suffering, go try to suffer, but if it comes, we need to deal with it and deal with it in the way Paul did. How did he deal with it? He didn't focus on the suffering. He didn't sit around and whine and moan that he was in prison. He didn't sit around and whine and moan that somebody tried to kill him with stones. What did he do? He continued on to declare the gospel for the sake of the elect, to reach people that would believe the message. Not everybody's going to believe, but many will. And he believed that. And that's what empowered him to go. He looked past the suffering to the results. His focus wasn't on the hurt, the pain, the sorrow, the grief, the loss. It was on people coming to know Christ. And that is powerful. That's why he was willing to endure everything for them. Willing to face whatever he needed to face for the sake of the lost, the elect. What this tells us, and, 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 and I want to unpack this as clearly as I can, God has a plan to reach people with the gospel, but that plan involves us. And sometimes it causes us to suffer, to, to face hardship, to grow in boldness, to grow in faithfulness, to grow in prayerfulness. I want to call us to prayer and fasting for people who don't know Christ, that, that God would use us to that end and that he would embolden us. That, that's what he wanted for Timothy. It's what he wants for us. And, and part of that's understanding what, what awaits the lost. These are Paul's words. Let me read to you what he believed about people who die without Christ. In 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9, it says, In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not get, know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. There's two things that lead people to there. A rejection of the knowledge of God and a rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ that leads them to a place of everlasting destruction. Uh, understand, this isn't annihilation. Annihilation isn't everlasting destruction. Annihilation is the end of all conscious awareness. The Bible never teaches annihilation. I'm sorry. Many people would like to believe that. But it doesn't teach that. It teaches eternal punishment for those who reject knowing God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul laid down his life. He endured shipwrecks and beatings. Five times he was beat, merely almost to the, to, to the end of his life, to reach people. You know, this brings up the, the doctrine of election. And I didn't discuss it a lot in the first service. I don't want to take a lot of time with it today. But if you've been around the church a while, you understand there's a doctrine of election that has been debated and discussed for centuries. Uh, there has been a lot of ink spilt on both sides of the discussion, most of which comes from theological or philosophical positions, not what the Bible says. I'm going to draw and bring it down to two truths that are very clear in this passage. The first truth is God has called people to himself. They are called the elect. And they're out there. In Paul's day, they were among the Greeks, among the Jews, among the Romans, and they responded to his gospel. 
So first understand God is sovereign. He knows who will believe. The second truth is we don't. Paul didn't. But he was willing to suffer for the sake of the elect. He was willing to put his life on the line to reach people who didn't know Christ. And to go out and to share with as many as he could that they might come to know the Savior. That's what I need to know about election. God is sovereign. He knows who will believe. And my call is to go tell them about Jesus. I've just covered the doctrine of election for you. If you keep it that simple, you'll never have any problem with it and you'll believe like Paul did. The thing I want to leave you with is this in regard to this truth. A lot of people teach the doctrine of election to comfort believers. Well, you're elected, you're called of God, so, so be comfortable in your faith. And I, I think that's appropriate, it's probably true. But I want to lead you to a different place. I believe for Paul, what led him to this place of being willing to suffer or endure everything for the sake of the gospel was that he knew there were elect people out there that God had called and commissioned him to reach. There are elect people in Severance, in Timnath, in Windsor, in Greeley, in Johnstown that God will bring to himself through the witness of faithful believers. And he wants to do that. And that is the power of the gospel through us. And and God wants to use us to that end. He wanted to use Timothy to that end. God authors salvation. We're commissioned, as Paul was, to go spread the word. The election of people who don't know Christ yet should be an impetus, should be a powerful calling on us to go try to reach them. We know there are people in Windsor. We know there are people all over Colorado who need Jesus and who God has elected and called to himself, but yet they need to hear the gospel. They can't believe without hearing the gospel. That's our part. It's God and us. So remember that. We're called to go do that. And, and, and this, is, this is what captivates my heart and mind about Paul. He was willing to go do that. He was willing to go and reach them for the salvation that leads to eternal glory. He, he saw people as suffering punishment instead of the eternal glory. And he wanted them to reach and receive the blessing of the eternal glory, which he speaks of in this passage. He, he writes of that in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. For the light momentary afflictions in preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What he's saying is by comparison, we can't fathom, we can't imagine, we cannot understand what it means to be in glory. It's beyond anything that we could ever imagine or experience in this life. That's glory. To be with God in the presence of God, to be there with him is off the chart. Paul was gripped by this message. Paul Paul was gripped to to the core of his being with his concern for people who didn't know Jesus and his own countrymen first and foremost. He writes this in Romans 9, 1 through 3. I'm speaking the truth. And he says about three times I'm telling the truth. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit. There's three times he said I'm telling the truth. That I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were, my, I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ. That I would go to hell for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. That's how deeply Paul felt about this whole issue. And his concern for people who need Christ. 
So he wanted, he wanted to encourage and equip and empower Timothy with these truths so that Timothy would, would follow in his work. Timothy would come alongside others and equip and empower them in the same way that Paul was seeking to equip and empower him. And, and it comes down to us today. And, and I'm not preaching this message to make us feel guilty, but to equip and empower and encourage us to go. There are people out there who, who need Jesus. He, he ends this passage with some sayings that, that both contain promises as well as warnings. He begins that section with saying, This saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. The idea here is, is that we are so, when we come to faith, identified with Christ, we share not only in his death, death to sin, death to, to the power of sin over us, but we're risen to the empowering life of Jesus Christ. We now have the power not to sin. It doesn't mean we won't sin, but it means that sin can no longer dominate us and control us and uh, overwhelm us. We have the power within us to walk and live uh, for the glory of God. Uh, we talk about this in regard to baptism. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him. And in, in a way, the, the, the whole uh, ordinance of baptism speaks of dying to the old life and being raised to the newness of life. We are now living with Christ, Christ in us, living for his kingdom, empowered by him to stand against uh, the struggles of the flesh in this world. What does all that relate to this earlier stuff? Well, for starters, you know, I don't have to give in to fear. I don't have to go, have to give in to, to faithlessness. I don't have to give in to weakness. I have the power of Christ in me to be bold in my faith. To be, to be convicted, to reach those who need Jesus. I have the power within me in Christ to live out the truth of the gospel in power. So I can live that for Him. I don't have to live uh, under the power of sin any longer. It doesn't mean I'm always going to be uh, faithful or always uh, productive in my spiritual life, always bold, always prayerful. But it does mean I now have the capacity with Christ living in me uh, to live that way. We can live with him because we've died with him. That's the encouragement. If we've died with him, we live with him. He goes on to the second couplet and says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. The idea of dying is once for all, but the idea here of, of being enduring is, is ongoing. It's, it, it's uh, something that must be persevered in to endure. And it says the promise, if we endure hardship with him, difficulty, if we endure suffering with him, we will also reign with him. Now, I don't know what that looks like. I honestly don't. I know the kingdom of God is awesome. I, I know it's beyond anything I can imagine. We have a few pictures of it in the scriptures, but, but there's, there's no way to know with great clarity and certainty and detail what heaven's like. I know it's great, it's good, it's, it's better than anything we could ever imagine. I know that. And Jesus says, you're going to rule with me there. Romans 5.10 says, that, or Rome, I'm sorry, Revelation 5.10 says this. <clears throat> And if you have made uh, with him, and, and if you have made them a kingdom and priests of our God, they, will, they shall reign on earth. So there, there's a time coming back in, in the future when we will reign with Christ. What does that look like? I don't know, but we're going to have a, a place of being able to rule alongside him in this glorious place that we're going to be uh, if we endure. 
Uh, if we stay steadfast, if we're consistent in prayer, faithful in, in our steadfast uh, walk of following him, being bold, keeping on to the end. Uh, he says this in Romans eight seventeen, And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So when we suffer, we're going to experience the fullness of the glory of his kingdom. These are incredibly hopeful verses for us. When we, whatever we face out there, uh, if, if it's hard, if it's difficult, if it's painful, the reality is we will live in a way we've never lived before. We will reign in, in a place, a dominion that's beyond our wildest imagination and or expectations. This is the hope we have in the gospel. He goes on to, to, to share one that's not so encouraging. It's about those who deny Christ. The third one says, if we deny him, he also will deny us. The idea here is that uh, commitment to Christ must be total. Uh, we're called to serve him with boldness and with faithfulness. And if we deny him, and uh, people do deny him at times, uh, for us it seems unthinkable if you really know Christ. How could I ever deny Christ? I've been a believer in Christ for over 40 years. I cannot fathom denying Christ. Uh, I trust that is a sign of, of the deep work of the Spirit in my life. But some people do profess a faith for a while, and then they fall away. We call that the apostate. People like Judas who followed Jesus, did what Jesus asked him to do, uh, proclaimed Christ, I guess, in places, but then fell away. Uh, this is made really clear by this uh, passage in 2 John 1.9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ, who does not, they, they do not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both Father and Son. So, so the issues of remaining, of continuing with Christ, of persevering in the faith, those are the evidence of genuine faith. And those uh, will never deny Christ. They will always and forever be with him. Jesus promised if we deny him before men, he will deny us before his father. So what he's really speaking to here are, are like the seeds that fell on the rocky ground and, and they, they sprouted, but then the weeds, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, crowded them out and they died away. So, and, and I've seen people come in, uh, they've followed Christ for a little while and they, they've renounced him, they denied him. And that's what's in view here. The apostate eventually will refuse Christ, they will refuse his teaching, they will turn away from him. So it's possible. It happens. Uh, it's not what the Lord wants, but it happens. It's a serious warning to people who, who follow Christ that you follow him with a whole heart, genuinely seeking to honor him, exalt him, grow in the gospel, uh, serving him and following him. The last one is, uh, in my view, the most encouraging and helpful of all of them. The fourth couplet says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. I don't know about you, but there's never a day goes by that I don't feel like I've failed the Lord in some way. I don't do something I should do or I do something I shouldn't do. Uh, I shared in the first service an opportunity I had a couple years ago to witness to a couple ladies. Uh, we were up on the hill where they do the bicycle race through Windsor and they go up that hill by the Good Samaritan place. And uh, we, we rode our bikes over there and then we walked them up the hill because we couldn't ride them up the hill. <laughs> it's too hard. And these racers come by, but we're sitting up there and uh, two ladies pulled up in a station wagon. They gave us uh, chairs to sit on and we had this nice conversation. I kept moving closer and closer to spiritual things. But then the race was over. They packed up and left. And, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, 
I didn't accomplish what I would hope to with these ladies. I, 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 you know, I danced around the, the issues of the gospel with them. I didn't, I didn't follow through. And I, I do that from time to time. I've had people ask me, why? Well, they say, I don't believe the Bible. And, and I walk away without an answer for them. You know, and I have answers now. Uh, but the reality is, this is a passage that say we may fail. We may be faithless. We may fail to follow through with something. We may not think of something we need to do. But God is faithful to us. Just because we're faithless to Him doesn't mean He's faithless to us. This is a, a passage for believers. This is a truth for us to cling to. He can't deny himself. We're his children if we have genuine faith in him. If we've truly possessed faith in Christ, we are his. We're his children. Children can't be unborn. We're his. I, you know, there's not a child on the planet that can be unborn. If we're his children, we cannot be unborn if we're genuinely his so understand, we may fail, we may falter, we may grow weak, we may lack boldness, we may lack a lot of things, but God is still faithful. He wants us to be encouraged to continue to press on, to persevere, to, to learn from our failures, to be encouraged to continue to follow Him. The idea here, and I, I think F.B. Myers says it well, three things are impossible for God, to die, to lie, and to fail the souls who trust in Him. Take heart in that. Uh, it's easy enough for us to beat ourselves up, to make ourselves feel guilty. The, the reality is we may be faithless. We may stumble. We may fall. But God is faithful. Our future hangs not in our strength. It hangs in the finished, perfect work of Christ, in the faithfulness of God. He cannot deny himself. Once he's, once he's brought us into his kingdom, our Eternal destiny rests with him. J. Edson Taylor said it this way, the great missionary to China, lost, I think, most of his family there. He says, it's not by trying to be faithful, but it's looking to the faithful one. Remember Jesus. That's the message. He came into the world to die for our sins and to empower us and equip us to share about him. So just as we wrap up, remember Jesus. May that be our cry. Remember Jesus. Remember that he's fully God, fully man. He came into the world in the most powerful message this world has ever heard, ever will hear, and will continue to hear until he returns. The power of the gospel cannot be, cannot be diminished, cannot be removed, cannot be overcome. We have the most powerful message in the world. Understand as well that what should drive us and empower us are the same things that captivated Paul's heart and mind. To focus not on our sufferings, our hardship, our failures, our lack of boldness, our inconsistencies, but to look at those that are elect. God, we serve for their sake. We serve hoping that God will bring their path across our path or our path across their path. And we can declare, we can bear witness to the wonder of the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go with that kind of boldness, knowing that if we keep our eyes on them, God will use us. And lastly, no, we're, we're going to fail. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. But God is faithful to us. He cannot deny himself. Take courage in that. Pick yourself up. Pick myself up and start again. Start over. Work again at being that faithful, consistent disciple that Paul wanted Timothy to be, that Paul wants us to be. So may we, we go just remembering that God is faithful he cannot deny himself. Father, we're so grateful today for the gospel. We're so grateful for the, the 
capacity and the power and the wonder that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to remember Jesus. May may somehow you just keep him near to us. May we develop, cultivate the spiritual discipline to always remember Jesus. Uh, If we face hardship, difficulty, uh, hard times, Lord, may we remember him. He faced it all with victory and with uh, power. Lord, may we go proclaiming uh, your word, your gospel. Lord, it is power. Nothing can overcome it. May we believe that, live it out for your glory and praise. And God, lastly, I, I just pray that you would empower us in every way to see the lost as those who are suffering an eternal punishment. God, may our eyes see them that way. May we reach out to them. We don't know who's elect, who's not elect. May we just be faithful to go and tell everyone we can about Jesus for your glory, for their good, and for their eternity with you. God, help us, I pray, to be more faithful and more fruitful in these areas. To that end, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.